great synagogue in Rome last Sunday, nine days ago, eight days ago. And the story I wanted to tell you is that when I met the Pope, I spoke to him about ISGAP, and I think there's some work that the Vatican is going to do with ISGAP. We have an amazing director of ISGAP Italy named Robert Hassan, and he's uh, working with David Rosen and other scholars to work with the Vatican on anti-Semitism, and it seems like we can do some effective work, potentially. Um, but I, when I met the Pope, I explained what we're doing, and I told him that in the Jewish tradition, there's a, a custom or a tradition that when you have a very important meeting or if you're going into battle, you go to pray at the tomb of a sage. So I was staying in Sfat, and I spent an evening at the tomb of the Rashbi. And Rashbi fled the Roman invasion from Jerusalem to Tzfat or near Tzfat. And he played a very important role, as we know, in creating the Zohar and the Talmudic uh, text. So when I, I told this to the Pope, he, he, of all the things that we were discussing, this is the thing that uh, he lit up on. And I said that this is a great lesson for us, too, because we need to accept each other. And that I hope the next 2,000 years will be a lot better than the last 2,000 years. And he said I should pray for him. And I said, God bless you. And that was the, the uh, meeting. So it was very interesting. So we have a, a great scholar and friend of Isgap, Moti Kadar. And Moti will be introduced by a, another friend and great scholar, Vivaldi. Vivaldi is a senior research scholar at Isgap. He took uh, part in our Oxford program in the summer. We brought professors from 17 countries together at Oxford University where we do teacher training programs. We help scholars create curriculum to teach in their home universities for credit because literally there are no courses on contemporary anti-Semitism in the academy and this is a program that we're trying to develop and to continue where we can train professors from around the world to go back to their home universities and create a space for faculty and students to engage the ideas that we're going to hear this evening. So it's an honor to have Avaldi and Mopti with us. Well, good evening and uh, welcome. So it is going to be a wonderful event and I am delighted and I have to admit very excited the sight of so many wonderful people. And um, I am honored to introduce Dr. Mordecai Kadal, who ironically doesn't need any introduction. <laughs> okay, so um, Dr. Kadal um, will be speaking to us to this evening about radical Islam and its effects on anti-Semitism. So just to give you an idea about um, Dr. Kadal's background, he is a lecturer at Bar Ilan University in Israel. Also, he is a member of several academic institutions. He's the director of the Center for the Study of the Middle Eastern Islam under formation at Baal Ilan University in Israel. He is also a research associate at the Begin Sadat Center for Strategic Studies at the same university. He's also the member of the Elzilia Interdisciplinary Center Israel Study Team. Also, he's the member of the International Board of the Berlin International Center for the Study of Antisemitism. Lastly, 
Dr. Kadar sits on the International Board of the Canadian Institute for Jewish Research. Um, Dr. Kadar is also a columnist at the weekly analysis about the Middle East of the Israeli, Makar Rishon, please forgive my pronunciation, um, at the weekly analysis about the Middle East of the Israeli, Yom Le Yom. So Dr. Kadar is also a well-established um, scholar. He has published um, several articles, and um, I am looking forward to a very stimulating talk and presentation this evening. So, Dr. Kudal, welcome. It's all yours now. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, radical Islam and its effect on anti-Semitism. First of all, I would like to ask a question. Is there a radical Islam? So the mere posing this question uh, brings the, the possibility that there is no radical Islam, if I question. Well, in order to establish the idea that there is radical Islam, we have to assume that there is another kind of Islam, moderate Islam. So, in order to check if there are two kinds of Islam, there should be two kinds of Quran, one radical and one moderate. Is there such a thing? No. No. There is one Quran. Uh, is there radical Hadith, means oral tradition, versus a, a moderate Hadith? No. There is one body of Hadith, of uh, stories about Muhammad, oral tradition. And the third, uh, most important, uh, scripture of Islam is the Sirah, means the biography of Muhammad. There are not two, two biographies, one radical, one moderate. So, how, how, how come we have radical Islam, as if there is such a thing, versus moderate Islam? What happens is that the sources of Islam, if we take only these three sources, the Quran, the Hadith, and the Sirah, means the Quran, the oral tradition, and the biography of Muhammad, these books actually contain everything, from the most radical ideas to the most moderate, to, from the most radical uh, uh, precedents as appear in the uh, biography of Muhammad, and the biography of Muhammad is something which every Muslim should emulate, because he was the masoom, he was the role model for every Muslim, so what he did is actually the role model for every Muslim. So, uh, the Sirah has everything. And I can give you good examples how Muhammad was very nice to Jews, but another, if you turn the page, you can find how he slaughtered them. The same thing, the same thing in the Quran. Uh, it could be very moderate, like saying, like Rafidin, as it said in the Quran, no compulsion in religion, which is very nice. But on the other side, there are all these verses about the jihad and, 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 and killing the infidels and so forth. So, is there, so what is the Quran, radical or moderate? And so is the hadith, the oral tradition. There, there is a verse which says that um, he who kills one man as if he killed the whole mankind. Great. Very moderate uh, attitude to, uh, to uh, life of people. Definitely good. 
But on the other side, if you turn the page, you find all kinds of uh, sharia of the jihad, how to fight the, the infidels, how to slay them, all of that. Okay, so is there, there is no radical uh, Quran versus moderate or hadith, or, but we have everything in the same books. Now, imagine somebody, Muslim, who was born in New York, the best place on earth. People are moderate, people are nice, people are cute, people are, uh, are uh, uh, kind to each other, holding your door, say, thank you very much, say, okay, oh, people are nice. If a Muslim grew up in New York, most probably, when he has to shape his Islamic ideas, if he absorbs the atmosphere of New York, he will pick from the Quran the verses which, like Rafidin, no compulsion in religion, from the Hadith, he will take the, the, uh, the ideas of the, uh, um, how to be moderate, and from the Sirah of Muhammad, the biography, he will take the precedents which show how nice, how kind the Prophet was. Another Muslim, let's say who was born in Libya, where people are killing each other all day long. When he has to shape his Islam, when he has to, to, to tailor his Islamic garment, he will take, probably since he absorbs the culture of Libya, he will take from the Quran the verses of the Jihad, from the Hadith he will take the, the orders of how to perform the Jihad, and from the Sirah of Muhammad, the biography, he will take all these precedents which support his culture. Means, we don't have radical Islam versus moderate Islam. We have radical Muslims, people, versus moderate Muslims, people. And if those people group to organizations, so we have radical organizations which are made of radical people who took from the sources of Islam all the precedents, the verses, and the orders how to be radical, and other organizations, which I myself meet with in all kinds of places like uh, Muslims facing tomorrow in, in, in uh, Toronto. Very moderate people. They, they wouldn't even kill a mosquito. So for them, they went, for them, since they are moderate people, they take from the Quran, from the Hadith, and from the Sirah, all the verses, the ideas, and the precedents which support their culture. Since they live in Toronto, and internalized the atmosphere of Toronto, which is more or less like New York, okay? So this is what I, what I mean. There is no radical Islam, the radical Muslims. Now, the question is, uh, uh, where are the Muslims? Where are they between most radical and most moderate? And we talk about a nation or a, or a culture of billion and a half people, fifteen uh, hundred millions, okay? Every one of them is somewhere between the poles, between the most radical and the most moderate. Places himself or his society places him, his family, depends how he behaves, on somewhere between the most radical and the most moderate. Uh, there are all kinds of research which say that 20%, 30% of Muslims are, could be defined as radical, while others like 80%, 75%, 85% are, could be defined or could be described as moderate. If it's 25% of Islam are radical, 
we are talking about something which is like third, uh, three, 350 million people worldwide. Okay? This is something which even if 1% of them is radical is a problem because if, if from 1,500 millions, one, one uh, uh, percent is 15 million people. If, 15, if only 15 million people are radical, as let's say the Islamic State or the Al-Qaeda or organizations like this, the world is in a big problem. And according to all kinds of research, the, the percentage of radical Muslims is way above one single percent. Let's, I, I would like to show you a, a, a clip. which was taken uh, in Europe, I think. It will come. This is a clip about a, a convention of Muslims somewhere in Europe. And the question is, the question, the question was, about is there radical Islam or not. Uh, it is translated to Hebrew, but I'll translate it to English. Can we have the camera, can we have this camera focusing on all the audience, sir? Can we have this camera focusing on all the audience? Because Every now and then, every time we have a conference, every time we invite a speaker, they always can come with the same accusations. This speaker supports death penalty for homosexuals, this speaker supports death penalty for this crime or this crime or that, he is homophobic, he, they subjugate women, etc, etc, etc. It's the same old stuff coming all the time. And we always try to tell them, I always try to tell them that, look, it's not that speaker that we're inviting who has these extreme radical views, as you say. These are general views that every Muslim actually has. Every Muslim believes in these things. Just because they're not telling you about it, or just because they're not out there in the media doesn't mean they don't believe in them. So I will ask you, Everyone in the room, how many of you are normal Muslims? You're not extremists, you're not radical, this is normal Sunni Muslims. Please raise your hands. Everybody, mashaAllah, subhanAllah. Okay, take down your hands again. How many of you agree that men and women should sit separate? Please raise your hands. Everyone agree. Everyone agree. The brothers and sisters. Subhanallah. So, so it's not just these radical sheikhs then. Allahu Akbar. Next question. How many of you agree that the punishments described in the Quran and the Sunnah, whether it is death, whether it is stoning for adultery, whatever it is, if it is from Allah and His Messenger, that is the best punishment ever possible for humankind and that is what we should apply in the world well, who, who agrees with that 
Allahu Akbar. Are you all radical extremists? Subhanallah. So all of you are saying that you are common Muslims. You all go to the different massages, no way. Or is it, are you like a specific sect, like the Islam net sect or anything like that? Are you like that? No. Is it, are you like that? Please raise, your, please raise your hand if you like this extreme Islam net sect or anything like that. No one. Allahu Akbar. How many of you just go to these normal massages in Norway? Every, the normal Sunni mosques. Please raise your hands. Allahu Akbar. So what's, what's the politicians going to say now? What's the media going to say now? That we're all extremists? We're all radicals? We need to deport all of us from this country? Subhanallah. Allahu Akbar. Takbir! 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 Okay, this is the original thing. I, this actually exemplifies the problem. That what we call moderate, well, radical Muslims could be, according to his, to this clip, regular people who go to regular mosques. Okay, so the definition of radical versus moderate should be Interject for one second. Yeah. I'm going to give you a hard time on Good, good. Very quick point. I grew up in Montreal, and the people, the family I grew up with, the children of my age, the parents came from India, migrated from India to Montreal, Muslim, and created one of the first mosques in Montreal. He is a clean shaven man who was friends with Jewish people. And in the 19, late 1980s, bearded, ultra religious Muslims told him that he has to keep a beard and he has to stop seeing his Jewish friends, otherwise he can't come to the mosque. And the original founders of that mosque were kicked out and they created a new mosque. But there are mosques and there are Muslims who don't subscribe sure. to this worldview. Okay. So this is what I mean, that Muslims differ from each other in their teachings and attitude. Apparently this gathering was a gathering of people who shared the same mind, who shared the same ideas. So this is why he got almost everybody voting when he wanted to. Where, yes. Where was that? In Europe, I think in uh, Norway. Right? Norway. Why were they speaking in English? Why speaking English? I have no idea. Was this Canada? Are you sure it's in Norway? Uh, it says okay. But but he was trying to show it's Sharia law. He tries to show that there is no radical Islam, just what I claim. There is Islam. Okay, and, and, and everyone picks from the, from the sources. What, okay, so this is uh, just uh, to begin with, with, uh, uh, with the topic of tonight, radical Islam and its effects on anti-Semitism. We, sh we shouldn't look at radical Islam. We should look at Islam. Now we can see what Islam says about, things, about these things and its contribution to uh, modern anti-Semitism. Uh, I think in the last time, which I was here, uh, I spoke about the roots of the problems between Islam and Judaism. Just to remind those aware, uh, Islam in its own mind, on its own teachings, considers itself as a religion which came to the world not to live side by side with Judaism and Christianity, 
it rather came to the world to replace Judaism and Christianity. They took the theory of replacement of the Christian, of the Christians, and they took it one step forward, and now Islam came to the world to replace. In its own definition, Islam is din al-haq, means religion of truth, while Judaism and Christianity are din al-batil, means religion of falsehood. Since Islam came to the world to turn them into null and void. So, those Jews who have not converted to Islam are those upon whom, according to Quran, upon whom the wrath of Allah rests until the end of time or until they convert to Islam. And the Christians are those who went astray. And this is already in the first chapter of the Quran, uh, which Muslims cite numerous times every day. So, uh, this is the main concept, concept about Judaism and Christianity. However, uh, uh, Islam, not only this, is the, it's the best uh, uh, religion in the world, because in the Quran there is a verse which says, Kuntum khayra ummaten ukhrijat linas, means you Muslims are the best nation which came out to mankind. This is what the Quran states, while all the other nations are bad nations. Why? But when they go and they see the situation on the ground, they compare this verse, this idea in the Quran, that you Muslims are the best people on earth. And when they see what happens every day when they kill each other, the way they live in their countries, inflicted by violence, poverty, um, uh, uh, wars, everlasting wars, and on one side. And when they see the Muslim, the, the Christians and the Jews live in peace, normal countries, democracies, development, um, no, normal, normal places like here. It creates some kind of contradiction between the Quran, which says that they, Muslims, are the best people on earth, states this, and the situation. And this contradiction is some kind of a short in their mind. How, how can it exist? This is something which cannot, cannot be there. They cannot fathom the fact that they are in such bad condition as they are, while the infidels, Jews and Christians, those who betrayed Muhammad, those who didn't want to convert to Islam, those who still hold to religions which are null and void, how come they are so successful and so nice to a degree that so many Muslims want to emigrate to the good, nice, peaceful, progressive uh, uh, countries which of the Christians and the Jews. If Israel, look at how many of them want to come to Israel. If Israel didn't build a fence uh, between Israel and Egypt, who knows how many millions will come from Egypt to Israel, okay? Although Israel is an apartheid state, as they say, racist, and of course, state of Jews who did not accept the religion of Allah, okay? So, this is some kind of con contradiction, and they envy the Christians and the Jews, and therefore they hate them. Because if you envy somebody, if you're jealous at somebody, very easily you start to hate him or her. Okay? And this is one of the sources. Now they go to Europe, the immigration to Europe, which we see today, and what do they see? 
the Christians and the Jews. So what do they what do, what they do to the Christians is something which can be discussed in other places, like what they do to the girls in Sweden or in in what happened in uh, in uh, in Cologne. Okay, the way they look at Christians and especially the ladies or the girls, which are allowed for them, this is, never mind. But the Jews here are the problem because Jews are successful, Jews are immersed in the societies, Jews are prosperous, are the, the good lawyers and accountants and artists and, and doctors and whatever they are, and, and, and professors in the universities, and this creates some kind of a, 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 a contradiction. How come Jews are so successful when we have to wash dishes in, in, in restaurants or clean apartments or work as in, in those professions. After all, we are the best nation which came out to mankind according to the Quran. So the, the difference which they see between the teaching of the Quran on one side, or the ideal which was stated by the Quran on one side, and the situation on the ground, this is something which gets them very, very angry. How come Jews are so successful? When it comes to what happens in Israel, it's even worse. Because the land of Israel, according to their teachings, is an Islamic country. Palestine, or Palestine, uh, and a land, Islamic land, and it's any land, any land, has only one way ticket to enter Islam, not to come out of Islam. This is why, by the way, they s still fantasize on Spain, which should return to Islam, because Islam was in Spain between the 8th century and the 15th century. Okay? So, since it was taken by the Christians, this is against the rule of physics, or the rules of Islam, actually. So, this is why uh, 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 Spain should return to Islam before, any, before anything else. So is Sicily, the island in the southern part of uh, Italy, large parts of the Balkans, all the way up to Vienna, where they were defeated in 1683 CE. And of course, the, uh, the land of Israel, as they call it, Palestine, definitely this is an Islamic country, Islamic land. Those Jews came and stole, stole this land, and the Jews have absolutely whatsoever no right, no uh, 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 right to take a land out of Muslims. Uh, so first of all, uh, uh, the land of Israel is stolen, as they see it. Secondly, we Jews do not deserve to have, to have a state. Why? Because we are not a nation. We are communities which belong to all the nations in the world. The American Jews are part of the American nation who happen to be Jews like others who are uh, uh, Christians or Muslims or others. Uh, Jews in Morocco are Moroccan Arabs who happen to be Jewish just like other Moroccan Arabs who are Muslims. The same thing in Afghanistan, same thing in Yemen, Germany, Poland, like my parents who are According to where, according to the Islamic uh, uh, belief, Polish in their uh, uh, nation, nationality, while have being Jews from the religious point of view, okay, but they should remain in Poland, and Jews in America should remain in America, Jews in Yemen should remain in Yemen, and so forth. What 
they gave him the idea that they are one nation. They are not one nation. But they, do they look, look alike? Do they eat the same food? Do they dance to the same music? Forget it. So, just, so this is why the Jews are not a nation. This is why they do not deserve a state. And here they are coming and, and, and establish a state on an Islamic land while their religion, which they claim that they have a right to a state because they are Jews, is anyway, anyway a, a null and void. So Israel as a state uh, has absolutely whatsoever no right to exist in, even on one square millimeter in Tel Aviv. Never mind the occupation of 1967. The real occupation was in 1948 when the state was established. So this is, I would say, uh, uh, the, uh, the core look at uh, Jews, both in Europe and in Israel, uh, or Europe and everywhere where they go, and in Israel, as people who behave totally opposite to the teachings of Islam, behave totally against the expectations of Islam, and this is why Jews should be treated according to the Islamic Sharia, uh, which states what it states about people who do not behave according to the Sharia, especially when they are not Muslims. So this is, I think, is the core uh, motive, motives of uh, the Islamic teachings. And we see them much in Europe. We see them in, in the, within the Palestinian Authority. We see them even within the Muslim community inside Israel. The Islamic movement inside Israel disseminates exactly these messages. And uh, I spent like 20 years in researching of this uh, 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 movement. And uh, only recently, uh, some parts of the movement were outlawed. Other parts were, uh, are still uh, accepted by the country because they deal with uh, health clinics and uh, schools and so forth. So the, country, the state doesn't want to close them all. But the organization, which is not involved in uh, these uh, dawa uh, actions, uh, are closed since, uh, I think, last October. So, uh, yes, we have them from within Israel, we have them with the so-called Palestinians, we have them in Egypt, we have them in Jordan, in former Syria, Syria doesn't exist anymore, and, um, and um, we find it also in Europe, uh, in, in some communities. And this is, I think, the core motivation of the modern uh, Islamic uh, anti-Semitism, uh, which we see uh, even in here, in, in the United States of America. Because today, in universities, when, where uh, uh, freedom of speech is well kept, so hate speech against Jews uh, we find it uh, time and again. When I, when I go to institutions in this country, I hear from Jewish students how they feel uh, worried, intimidated uh, in institutions which uh, are there for learning, uh, which turn more and more into stages of anti-Semitism under the cover of anti-Israelism or anti-Zionism, but uh, the core motivations of those who call for, for example, the BDS against Israel, it's, uh, it's about uh, Judaism before uh, everything else. Uh, I think I'll stop here.
not because I don't have what to say, but uh, I, 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 I think I want people to ask and to say. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'll repeat the question. respond to this then? You, you mentioned how uh, Muslims living in Arab countries, for example, see all the destruction around them and are envious when they hear about uh, successful, prosperous, peaceful lives of uh, those who live in Christian countries. Would, would this observation be well, would this be in line with those who say, who are not represented in this room, with those who say that the, uh, the cause of terrorism is uh, poverty? How does one respond to that? Well, it doesn't uh, go along uh, facts. Uh, in, in Western mind, poverty creates extremism, uh, violence, as you can see in some neighborhoods of poverty in all kinds of places in the world. So people think like Westerners and they project their views on their societies on the Middle East, which works according to totally different rules. Um, it, it, look, Bin Laden, the chief, uh, chief terrorist, who <laughs> was a billionaire. What, was he unemployed? Uh, only recently, another good example, um, a, a, a surgeon from Barzilai uh, Hospital in Israel, in Ashkelon, uh, a Bedouin guy, Muslim, uh, took a vacation, took one week vacation, and went to Turkey, uh, but he didn't come back. When the hospital started to look for him, uh, family said that he didn't come back from Turkey. So they started, uh, contacted the Turks, and yes, he went to Syria to fight in the Islamic State. Eventually he got killed, but uh, he, was, he had a job, very good job, you know how much a surgeon in Israel makes? Tremendous, uh, and, and for good reason. Okay, so, so, this, so, this, uh, so this assumption, which people think that uh, people go to be jihadists because uh, they, are, they live in poverty, it doesn't uh, coincide with the facts. The 9-11 attack? 9-11? Yes, lady. So, I'm sure that in your studies you realize that it's not just Jews who live all around the world in other countries. Italians, Germans, French, there are plenty of people. They're all Christians. Italians, most of them are Christians, yeah. as much as I remember. I have friends who are Italian, but the point is, is that they live, you said, because they're Jewish, and they're all around living in other countries, that condones their hatred toward Jews. But what about all the other uh, citizens of other countries that live all around the world? So they are, what, Indians? Look, in India, uh, Charles, uh, uh, what, are, what is about other uh, nations in the world which apparently they don't hate? Uh, look, uh, Charles uh, talked about the Indians. In India, there are some hundred million Muslims. Hundred million Muslims, more than Egypt, Tunisia uh, and Libya combined. Um, these Muslims in, in, in India, in most cases, are very moderate people. When I go to media, I see them. They, uh, they do nothing to anybody. 
because in the culture in India is acceptance. There are so many religions and sects in India that they, if they didn't live in peace with each other, India would be a, a mayhem. And India is not. The, the, the name of the game in, in India is live and let live. Don't step on anybody's toes, let others be the others, and mind your own business. So Muslims who live in India absorb this idea and they mind their own business. They don't interfere in others' business. So everybody can live with them and they live with everybody else. Of course, there are some radicals in India as well. For example, a guy named Maududi, who was one of the masterminds of modern terrorism uh, led by Islam. Okay, so most of them, 100 million Indians are moderate. And they view, look, and India is full of idol worshipping, according to Islam. Buddhists, especially, or uh, Hindus. They are not even Christians and Jews. Christians and Jews, according to Islam, are not uh, uh, idol worshippers. They have a book. But uh, the Hindus and the, and the uh, others are definitely idol worshippers. And yet, Muslims live with them. So you see that they are part of the moderate part of uh, uh, Muslims. Yes, sir. Your turn. Right. Then this gentleman yeah. here. Two very quick questions. So, if the Muslims see the Christians and the Jews living like this, why doesn't it occur to them maybe we should imitate the Christians and the Jews, the way they live, how they believe, and maybe then we can become successful? Second question, I've seen you many times talk about your eight states of Palestine. Uh, just uh, two sentences on that. I mean, you look all over the Muslim world. I work in Muslim country. They're all tribal. They're not really countries. So making a state of Palestine is just, they're going to kill each other the same way. How much traction does your eight states of Palestine have? Who do you talk to about it? Does it have traction with Israelis, with, with Arabs, with Europeans? Who's believing it? Who are you getting it out to? I think it's incredibly important. I want to see that out there. Thanks. Uh, okay, so I'll just repeat, uh, repeat the questions. One is about why do not Muslims imitate the others to be successful and prosperous as others are? And the second is about the eight states or the eight emirate solution, which I suggested. Uh, about the first question, about why do not Muslims go and emitter, and, uh, in order to uh, uh, follow the others as they are? Yes, there are many Muslims who come to these countries to become Americans or become Europeans, to become French in France. Look, in France, uh, there was a minister of, uh, of justice a lady named Rashida Dati in the days of Sarkozy. She was, she was from Morocco, her parents from Morocco, she was born Muslim, and, but she was as far as could be from Islam, because uh, being an unmarried woman in her 30s, as a minister, she was pregnant. But in France, you are not allowed to talk about anything besides this part of the human being. All the other parts are not of your business. So, that's how it was. And, and she was not married. And my, my ex-Muslim ex or Muslim, I don't know. I never asked what she, what she is. But uh, she was totally French, to a degree that she, that she allowed herself uh, being pregnant and appear in, 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 in public without marriage. Okay? And there are many other Muslims who become Americans, French, and so forth. And nobody, has, nobody should have any issue with these people. Because they became people who are what they immigrated to. The problem is with those who emigrate to other countries, but they don't 
First of all, they don't want to be part of the country, not to adopt the, the culture, not to become prosperous, but they want to perpetuate their Islam. Not only this, to take over the countries, as was found in this country, in the United States, the uh, 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 memorandum of the Muslim Brotherhood, which was caught, and you can find it on, on the net, uh, the explanatory memorandum. Just uh, Google this and you can read a magnificent um, document of 15 pages in Arabic and 15 pages in English, which is translated by the Minister of Justice here. And you can read it in English, how they plan to take America over. Okay? So there are those who come to the West in order to become Americans, and there are those who come to, the, to here in order to take America over. So there are those on this. Uh, to your question, uh, second question about the Palestinian Emirates, uh, since it's not exactly what uh, I plan to speak here, I can speak about this for three hours, but uh, uh, you, can Google, you can go to a website which describes it very, uh, very nicely, I think, uh, www.palestinianemirates.com. palestinianemirates.com. You can read the much uh, material. Yes, sir. <coughs> Yoram Ettinger uh, has uh, various different estimates of the population of the West Bank than uh, what the Palestinian uh, Authority. Arnon Sofer also. Where do you, what, 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 how do you estimate their population? Are they a threat demographically at all? Uh, and uh, I'm how you fall on that. But also, um, are they emigrating away? Is there anything that you would recommend that the American community do to encourage them to emigrate away? Well, you asked actually two questions about the Palestinian uh, population in the so-called West Bank, Judea and Samaria rather. Um, about their demography, there are two, I would say, schools in Israel. The school of Arnon Sofer, and which finds bigger numbers, and uh, uh, Yoram Ettinger and his crew, which uh, find less number. I, I, I really, I, I'm not in demography. Demography is not my field. I read both uh, reports. Bo both reports uh, uh, sound uh, convincing. And apparently the truth is somewhere between the big number of uh, Arnold Sofer and the small number of uh, Ettinger. Somewhere, I have no idea uh, where. Uh, your second question about uh, immigration. Uh, Israel doesn't encourage anyone to live anywhere because this is not our mission. Uh, not in the Israeli Arabs who are citizens in Israel, neither the, uh, the people in, in the West Bank, or Judea and Samaria, or Palestinian Authority rather. Um, and, and those who do not live, and actually neither those in Israel and, th and those in, in uh, uh, the Palestinian Authority, they don't line, line up near the doors to run away. Because, first of all, uh, where, where, where will they run away to? America doesn't accept uh, so many immigrants. Uh, visitors, yes, but not immigrants. Uh, Europe is uh, nothing uh, so attractive today about Europe. As you, know, as you might know, the immigrants who came in the last wave of last uh, six months, more or less, they usually do not want to go to France anymore. They want to go to Germany, because they know what happened to France. You know what happened to France? <laughs> I have a friend, ex-Algerian, who lives in France, who told me that he's looking for a, a new place. France is not good anymore, like Quebec or something like this. I said, why? 
So he says those Algerians, where well, he came from, Algeria, those Algerians do not move from Algeria to France. They move Algeria to France. <laughs> and uh, this is what he meant, and this is why he, who ran away from Algeria in the beginning of the 80s, because he doesn't want to live in Algeria, now has to run away to find a new place uh, because France reminds him too much uh, of uh, Algeria. Okay? So those immigrants who come, uh, or refugees, or I don't know how to call them, in the last uh, six months, they do not want to go to France. They want to go to other countries because they know what, the, what happened with, the, with France. Okay, so even the, 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 the Muslims, the Arabs in the Palestinian Authority, they do not uh, run to Europe because they know that life there is not uh, uh, made of gold. And recently uh, it was published that uh, people from Iraq return to Iraq, from Germany. Germany doesn't uh, give them a uh, permanent uh, status. Uh, so is uh, Sweden, stopped the free uh, the open gates, which was uh, there for years already. So uh, when Europe has second thought, th thoughts about um, immigration, uh, people who are in the Middle East have second thoughts whether to immigrate to Europe. So this is wh what happens. And you know what? Uh, to immigrate to the Arab countries, definitely uh, nobody wants when they see the situation there. So uh, both. Uh, Arabs in Israel and Arabs in Palestinian Authority uh, remain in most cases uh, because this is the best uh, choice. Not that they are, uh, you know, live in heaven, but definitely don't, they do not want to live in hell as it is in the Middle East in many, too many places. Yes, sir. You said that the Muslims have one Quran. Some people say so do the Jews. They have one Torah, one Talmud, one Moses. There are many teachings. But there are still people that observe Shabbat and others that don't. And they pick and choose. They say, we eat this and we don't eat that. Uh, we go to synagogue, but we drive on Shabbat, which clearly is a violation of Jewish law. Uh, so why, why can't we say that Jews also, you have different types of Jews, like different types of, uh, of Muslims? And, and You're right. A related question is, how do you view the Arabs in Israel? How would you map them? One guy went to ISIS. How bad is Not it? one. Many. Yeah. Uh, okay, about uh, keeping the commandments which you ask, uh, not only within Muslims, you can find it within Jews and I think others as well. De definitely, you're right. Uh, this why, the, by the way, why in Islam there is no secularism. Because there was not a secular ideology which takes uh, not keeping the religion as uh, as uh, ideology. In Judaism, we developed it, the chiloniot, the secularism, which we, we have in, in, in Judaism. So you can be a Jew by your national uh, affiliation, not by your religion. So if you are national Jewish, you don't have to observe the, 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 the Jewish uh, religion. So uh, this is what we do. In Islam, it was not developed. Because you cannot be a Muslim and secular. You can keep more commandments or less or not at all. But yet you are a Muslim. And many Muslims drink wine and eat, eat uh, swines and uh, do whatever they like and couldn't care less about Islam. But they would never declare themselves as people who left Islam. Because if they left Islam, 
their fate is to be slaughtered because they are the murtad. So they are Muslims, but uh, I would say Muslims light. <laughs> yes, the la this lady Many more. This is what I said. It, 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 it's a pre-assumption which doesn't go along the facts. Yes, Nate. 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 So my my question. I know that you stressed in the beginning this notion of radical, moderate is not a real. I mean, it seems as if it's very hard to to, to define. To define it. Um, and I, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm biased, Jew, observant Jew. So in my mind, you know, very few, very very small number. Jews are, you know, in this way, violent, radicalized, would do this kind of violence. But is there a way to quantify in any way the, the I don't know, percentage or some estimate of, of, of that type, that part of Islam that, I mean, it's a huge community. You know, no, I think, how, how do we quantify, you ask, uh, radicals from... Uh, moderates. I think that we have to look at this as some kind of a pyramid. Think about pyramid. The tip of the pyramid, the, the most uh, prickly th part, let's say they are the jihadists, so those who slaughter people, shoot people as they do. There. Beyond them, there is a layer, uh, which is very, very high up in the pyramid, but yet not in the tip, those who help them, factually. Beyond them, there are a wider layer, people who uh, support them with money, with everything. Beyond them, there is another layer of those who sympathize with them. There are, beyond them, there are another bigger layer, those who understand them. Okay? Down is a wider, those who, intol who are indifferent about them, because not, not. Okay, so this is, it's, it's, it's some kind of a continuum which, although small part are really those who will take the knife and slaughter Americans or Jews or whatever, uh, but all the others are beneath them, support, understand, and so forth. This is how, a way how to, and I don't really know where to put the line. Those who support, those who, uh, who uh, uh, sponsor, those who sympathize, I don't know where you put the line. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Well, you and then you afterwards. Uh, I, have, I have something that always bothers me about Islam, anti-Semitism, and the rest of the world. And that is that I believe that the rest of the world seem, seems to pin the Islamic problem on, on Israel, on the Jews. Is there, is there a, how do we, how do we explain that the fear of Islam causes people to side with Islam, to side with a power, with a sort of a power against the weak, which is the Jews? You understand my question? Well, you, 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 ask, a, a you ask how can we change the world, the mindset, 
uh, from supporting the poor Muslims to to uh, start uh, supporting the poor Jews. He's asking about the, what seems to be, you know, anti-Semitism seems okay. to be the liberal Islamic alliance. The premise is anti-Semitism because these poor... The liberal, the liberal uh, uh, Islamic alliance, what, what I call, it's not totally so liberal, it says the communist. It's a red and green alliance. Um, it, it's something very, very, very strange because liberals are liberal, while Muslims are usually not liberals. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, I think that this alliance comes first of all because of the, they unite the efforts against the system, against the economic system, the political system, wherever they are, in, in, in Europe, in America, as they say, F the system, first of all. And they are united with this idea against the system. Now, Jews, are usually part, either part of the system or supported by the system. So here, uh, what the hatred which they had to the system, both sides, the liberals and the Islamists, they direct to the system and then to the Jews, which are part of it. This in my, it might be simplistic, but it has, uh, there is a point like this. Yes, this lady. How do you see Hitler's role in paving the way for this radical Islamic view? How do I view the Hitler's role in I mean, paving the way? In North Africa, and with the Arabs. And Look, uh, once I was in some museum in Czech Republic, and uh, there was a visitor book, and I uh, looked for an empty page, and I turned some pages, and I saw a page in Arabic. So I read read the Arabic, and uh, what they said that that Allah should curse Hitler because he started the job and he didn't finish it. Okay? So that's why Allah should curse him, because he didn't finish. Okay? Uh, this, and these are visitors who came to see, you know, Europe. So, uh, yes, uh, Hitler definitely gave them the example what to do, and as you know, Hitler had a good friend, uh, the Mufti Hajjamil Husseini, who recruited uh, some 30,000 Waffen-SS uh, in 1945-4 in order to guard the bridges of the trains which took the Jews from Hungary to Auschwitz. So the partisans will not blow those bridges and uh, will prevent the taking the Jews to the guest chambers. So he was there in order to make sure that they arrive the guest chambers lest they come to Palestine. This, this was the justification. They don't deny it, the Arabs and Palestinians. They don't, they don't deny it, but they justify it by the fact that he wanted those Jews not to come to Palestine. What if they would come to America? Also, do they deserve such an end, such a punishment? Which, uh, okay, so uh, this is uh, uh, definitely Hitler was a role model for many of them. And uh, yes, he didn't finish the job, let him rest in hell. We'll do the job and go to heaven. Yes. I saw a clip a year ago that Morsi, the president of Egypt, spoke in front of a thousand imams. And uh, he said, be realistic. <coughs> One billion Muslims cannot slaughter seven billion non-believers. So let's stop teaching the 
the slaughter of the infidels. And I was shocked to hear that. So I guess it fell on deaf ears. Look, uh, Mursi uh, was calling definitely upon the Muslims in Egypt uh, to get used to a world which they cannot take over. However, uh, I believe he, that he was not convincing. How do I know this? Uh, the Islamic State, which uh, is somehow a granddaughter of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, what they call uh, ISIS. Let me show you something. The Islamic State issues... Yeah. The Islamic State issues coins. You know, coins, because this is a state. It's not an organization anymore. So what they do, in the coins which they, which they produce, they show this. This is the coin of five dinar. Okay? Of the Islamic State. A golden a golden coin. This is five. And what is this? Okay? They make no doubt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the other side, the other side of this coin is this. It says, Al-Dawla al-Islamiyya, the Islamic State, 21 karat, khamsa dananir, means five dinar, 21.25 gram, how, how much it weighs, and here, Khilafa ala minhaj al-Nubuwa means caliphate ala minhaj al-minhag on the style of the prophecy. Means we, the Islamic State, are following exactly on the footsteps of the Prophet Muhammad, the Nubuwa. Okay? And we are, and therefore, our goal. Is this the whole world? So apparently, Mursi did not convince them to leave the other parts of the world alone. Okay? And don't forget the Muslim Brotherhood, which Mursi was their leader, is the mother of this organization. But it's outlawed in Egypt. It sounds nice in Egypt, but uh, you know, they understood what he means. Yes. Yes. I had a question. Um, whenever we talk about Muslims, we just sort of group them all in one group. Who are we? Well, here, right now, we're not talking about I'm Sunnis. talking about the whole array of people. Well, Sunnis versus Shiites. How does that, how do we differentiate the two? And is there one group that is more tolerant and more... The, how do we define between Sunnah and Shia if there, if there is some kind of moderate versus radical in the Shi'i uh, Sunni issue? The Sunni 
Shi'i issue has nothing to do with radicalism versus being moderate. Uh, because there are radical Shia and moderate Shia, just like radical Sunnah versus moderate Sunnah. Uh, they are fighting each other, not on this question of being radical or, or being uh, moderate. They are fighting each other on, about the question who was the, uh, the uh, legitimate caliph after Muhammad. Uh, the Sunnah claimed that this, the first the Abu Bakr and then Umar and then Uthman and then Ali and Muawiyah, while the, the Shia claimed that only Ali, the fourth caliph, was the legitimate caliph, and his descendants should be the caliphs until the end of time. Okay? While the Sunnah believe that other chain of the Umayyads and the Abbasids, they are the legitimate. And they are fighting each other until this very day on the heritage of Muhammad from 14 centuries ago. Okay? For Americans, it's very, it is very hard to understand. I'll give you a good example. You might remember what happened in this country in the elections, presidential elections of 2000, when Al Gore and George W. Bush were the candidates. Uh, America was divided half and half, and only Florida was the tipping point, right? And in Florida, they had a problem because they are poking uh, papers and some... Right. And, and they, uh, there were some hundreds of, of papers which are, were not clear. So, and, and this actually was determined who, who would be the president. So America went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court looked into, into this issue. And then after a few hours of discussion, the Supreme Court came, came with a verdict that the George W. Bush is the president, and he was the president of America for four years, and another four years, and nobody fights anybody on this question. Just now, imagine that because of this thing, America is divided to two parts. One part uh, supports George W. Bush, and the other part supports Al Gore, and these two parts are fighting each other in all-out war for 14 centuries. <laughs> This is the Sunni-Shi'i problem, okay? Different culture? Definitely. Yes, sir. Well, like a comment. The New York Times, several weeks ago, had a little box about Sunni and Shia. They wanted to explain it. And in that, they asked, who, which is the holiest cities for Sunni and Shia? And guess what wasn't there? Jerusalem. Jerusalem wasn't there. It was like a miracle that the... Uh, well, this is another uh, difference because for Sunni, Sunni Islam is Mecca, Medina, and Jerusalem, as they claim. Uh, while for the Shia, the third place in holiness is Najaf, the, a city in southern Iraq, because the Jerusalem was sanctified not by Muhammad, but by... Uh, one of the caliphs of uh, the Umayyad dynasty because he could not go to pilgrimage in Mecca in the year of 682, 50 years after Muhammad died and so he sanctified Jerusalem so he and his followers can go to Hajj to Jerusalem instead of Mecca and uh, this is the whole thing, it's a political issue because of a rebellion which was in Mecca and they didn't let them come to Mecca for pilgrimage this is the whole thing uh, the, the the holiness of Jerusalem is uh, invented, was invented 50 years after Muhammad died. And uh, 
it's very hard to convince, but Shia definitely do not consider Jerusalem to be holy, because that man who sanctified Jerusalem was killing Shia uh, with no problem. So since Jerusalem was sanctified by their enemies, the Sunnis, the Shia do not consider traditionally Jerusalem is holy. Only since 1979, since the Ayatollahs came to power in Iran, they fell in love in Jerusalem to show that they are no less anti-Zionists than the Sunnah. They couldn't, uh, you know, show themselves as people who do not, who, who accept Israel. Okay, so this is the only thing. It's all about politics and uh, how to pose yourself. Yes, miss. especially the Western civilization, if I hear well in your question. Um, look, it depends on two things. One is demography, and one is immigration. Demography, unfortunately, within Western societies is negative, because, you know, usually men do not bring children to the world, only if your name is Schwarzenegger. But uh, usually men do not bring children to the world. This is something which nature gave the ability to women. And any society which doesn't, uh, the average of 2.1 at least, ch children per woman is a society in decline. Means it walks proudly into the museum. Two, two three, four, five generations depends on the pace. Uh, so this is a decision of uh, the Western cultures, Western culture, whether to bring children to the world or not. Uh, and, and this is uh, something which, unfortunately, the answer is negative, because what we see in Europe, the birth rate of the French and the other, uh, others is uh, negative, maybe 1.2, 3 uh, uh, children per woman. This is not the way how to stay out of the museum. This one element. Second element is, of course, it, it connected to a, a number of uh, rate, ratio of rate of marriage versus uh, remaining alone, um, uh, values of family, and so forth. Uh, this one on one side. The other side is immigration. What we see that uh, with the decline of societies, there are less uh, people to work in uh, car assembly factories, in transportation in the supermarkets, in malls, and so forth. So Western societies need immigration to work in factories and so forth. And uh, here we come to the Islamic immigration to Europe and to other parts of the world as well. Uh, some of them uh, immigrate to, in order to become Americans and Europeans, as I mentioned, but some of them 
emigrate in order to take over the countries under the idea of hijra jihad means they don't have to fight those countries it's enough if we emigrate and we settle in these countries after a generation two three or four uh, we'll take over the country by our number uh, okay so this is some another kind of uh, so when you have on one side declining demography of the western societies and the other side increase in immigration you definitely are right in your question where we will be in 50 or 100 years from today. Now the question is, what do we do with this? But this is a question which should be answered by legislators who are in charge of uh, legislation about immigration. And uh, I believe that a democracy should know how to defend itself. Because otherwise, it is a democracy which is um, in, in demise. So, with this uh, happy well, note, yes. So one last question. Follow up on the question. Could you try to address it from more of a political perspective? What can the West do? What can democratic societies do to confront the ideology, this reactionary anti-democratic ideology? What can we do to defeat it on the battlefield of ideas? Look. I'll tell you, I'll give you a good example. Uh, how, how, how Western democracies can defend themselves from ideology which is problematic. Um, I'll give you a good example. Uh, usually it is a ba basis in democracies that you don't take uh, citizenship of anyone. Even if he is a criminal, if he killed somebody, he spent all his life in jail, yet he is a citizen. And in some countries he even uh, allowed to vote even if he is in jail. Okay, uh, behavior and uh, citizenship are two separate things. This is uh, uh, one of the cornerstones of Western uh, thinking. Uh, recently, uh, since we have this phenomenon of, of uh, men, usually, who go to fight in the Islamic State in Israel, there are some dozens of Israelis, Israeli Muslims, who went to Turkey, like this doctor from Barzilai Hospital, so Israel decided, whenever there is a solid information about somebody who went to the Islamic State, his citizenship is cancelled. Means Israel tells him in its way, uh, well, you chose a different kind of society, we wish you good luck, stay there, and don't bother to come back because we appreciate your, choose, your uh, choice, and we highly recommend that you stay in that country. Okay? And you actually are not allowed to come back to Israel because you are not a citizen anymore. We don't need people who got trained in slaughtering people come back to Israel. Okay? So, uh, now, if he comes and proves that he uh, spent the last uh, three years in a Bondi beach in Sydney, uh, okay, so his citizenship will be uh, gi given back to him with a flower. Okay? So, this is how Israel defends itself from jihadists. Unfortunately, states like France, who sent all, they didn't say, who, uh, whose citizens went to the Islamic State in numbers which around 1,800, 1,800 people from France went to the Islamic State. Many of them came back, I believe hundreds, maybe a couple of hundreds. Some of them perpetrated this Friday in, in, in October, the massacre in Paris and the Bataclan, and the, the, okay? I'm not sure that France should let them in back. Why doesn't France? 
why doesn't France omits their citizenship if there is, I'm not saying arbitrary, if there is an information that somebody is emigrated to the Islamic State, why does France give him the permission to come back? What? Will he become back a lawyer or an accountant or a professor in university after he took courses in slaughtering people? Okay, so France has to decide whether it is a democracy on suicide track or democracy which knows how to how to defend its citizens. Means the rules of the game have to be rephrased according to the situation. So two more questions. Very quickly, the French government and other European governments are beginning to criminalize the ideology of radical political Islam. And they're addressing the ideology among jihadis and fighters, and even the spreading of the ideology in prison and in the suburbs of France. It's becoming criminal. Whereas, so if somebody goes to Syria who's a French citizen, it's a crime. In the United States, for example, if an American citizen goes to Syria or Iraq and joins a jihadi group but doesn't commit a criminal act, but they're doing propaganda, they're helping the cause, but they don't commit a criminal act, there's no punishment in this country for that. Only if they commit okay. a criminal act. So in a sense, tragically, the French and the Europeans are much more advanced than we are here. Uh, you are definitely right, and this is what I keep, keep saying. The rules of the game have to be adjusted to the situation. You cannot live with one set of laws when the situation is different. You have to adjust it. Yes, so President one last Trump question. Trump is going to change it. So he says. I have no idea. I have no idea about airplanes who bring refugees to this country. I'm in Dhaka. Look, look, the refugee issue, the refugee issue is very sensitive. It's very sensitive because these are poor people, especially children, women who did no evil to anyone. Why should they suffer? Why shouldn't they be supported? Why shouldn't they be rescued? Uh, and this is a very, very, very important question, especially within Jews, because we remember how nations did not help us when we, if you remember the ship St. Louis, which looked for a, a harbor. Okay, so definitely we Jews cannot stand aside and uh, see how people are drowning in the Mediterranean when they are looking for a better place to live. However, having said that, Having said that, there are two comments. One is about uh, what can be done for these refugees. There are three countries which are the most, I would say, responsible for the atrocities in Syria. One is Turkey, which allowed all the jihadists to come to the Islamic State. The other is Iran, which supports the regime. And the other is Saudi Arabia, which supports the rebels. How many refugees these countries take, of course, Turkey did, but she sends them to Europe. But how many refugees did Iran take? How many refugees did Saudi Arabia take? Okay, zero. Why? Uh, the Kuwaiti Minister of Foreign Affairs was asked recently 
Why doesn't Kuwait uh, take some refugees to Kuwait? So he said that these refugees from Syria have different culture from Kuwait. So Kuwait cannot accept them. Okay? They are the same culture as Germany, as everybody knows, or France, okay? So this is Hawaii Arabs. Now I'm asking here, why was somebody in this country think about the idea to make a condition that the deal about the a nuclear program in Iran will be conditioned by the fact that Iran accepts 300,000 refugees. Why not? You can make it a, make, make a condition. If they want the money, the trillions which they get now, why shouldn't they take some refugees as well to feed them? After all, they are much more, much more responsible for the refugee problem in Syria than the United States of America. Okay, this is, this is one one issue, which one comment about the refugee issue. Second is what uh, people know already that within these refugees there are small percent percentage of jihadists because the Islamic State succeeded to implant its jihadists, some of them in the. Okay, so one says, well, there's only one percent of jihadists, and okay, so I ask if somebody gives you a, a bag with 200 M&Ms. Only one is poisoned. <laughs> how many will you eat? And how many of those, quote, refugees were responsible for throwing the Jews out of their countries? How many of those refugees are responsible for throwing Christians from the ships which were tied to go to Europe? And this were things which happened in, 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 in those... Now. In, in, in recent uh, months, yeah. when... Groups come from Libya, for example, to go to Italy through the Mediterranean Sea, and Muslims are throwing Christians to the sharks. Okay? And this is another question which could be asked. All right, so we'll stop there. And um, on behalf of Ace Gap and this wonderful audience, Dr. Kadal would like to thank you for very stimulating. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming.